Welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. Please stay tuned after the show for The Messy Bulletin Board, a segment where we promote our fellow creators. On today's show, Rebecca chats with her co-author and business partner, Jerry McLaughlin, about cold wax, their work both as artists and entrepreneurs, and the future of Squeegee Press. Without further ado, here's Rebecca Kroll. Hello and welcome to the Messy Studio, New Mexico edition. I'm here in Albuquerque, New Mexico with Jerry McLaughlin, who is a California artist and um, educator as well as my business partner at Squeegee Press and my good friend. So welcome, Jerry. Thank you, Rebecca. It's really good to be here. So we've been we've been here in Albuquerque just for a few days working on some new projects for Squeegee Press and some new products, actually, some tools and uh, other exciting developments, um, talking about the video that we're going to be doing. So we we don't actually see each other face-to-face all that much. So every now and then our... To-do list gets so long that we say, "Okay, it's time, time to get together, and actually sit down and have some pretty intensive working time." So yes. <laughs> it's pretty much like <laughs> nose to the grindstone for several days. And uh, you know, we did get out and walk around Albuquerque a little bit yesterday and had dinner with my son. So otherwise, we've been hard at work, and so we we thought we'd use this podcast to talk a little bit about cold wax medium, which is the thing that brought us together and is behind our products and our our book, and also a bit about our business and how we work together and teach together. So, um, Jerry, why don't you start us off with just a little bit about cold wax medium and, like, why did you want to use it in the first place? Yeah. yeah, Cold wax medium... Talking about the history or anything about it is always a bit confounded by what exactly people mean. But when people say, you know, cold wax medium, the way we look at it today, which is wax plus solvent, that really came about in the late 19th century when people started extracting turpentine from pine trees. It didn't become a big product really at all uh, until the mid 20th century. And then some people started combining it with oil paints and making paintings but it's always been kind of an under-the-radar medium. And I think really just in the last decade or so, it started to take off as more people have been interested in working with wax. And that's how I came to find cold wax medium is that I started working with encaustic. It didn't have that kind of painterly feel that I always imagined painting would have. The, the hot wax you're talking about. Exactly. If, if listeners don't know encaustic, it's a different process of uh, layering beeswax. Uh, you have to fuse it with a torch and so on. Yeah. But that's what you were working in encaustic for a while. Exactly. And and so, you know, your your medium itself is actually melted wax, and then it hardens when you start to work with it, and you have to keep it hot if you want to manipulate it. So that's a very different process than what most people envision painting. And so I was a bit frustrated with it, although I did like it. And I just kind of hit the internet and said, is there anything out there I can do that would make something more painterly? And I came across cold wax medium. At the time, there was really nothing out there to tell me what this was about. So I just ordered it and started playing with it. Mm-hmm. And within a few days, I abandoned encaustic entirely. Yeah, <laughs> because it, uh, the cold wax, it is basically a painting medium. So you are oil painting with it. It's just that the cold wax gives the paint a certain body. And so 
oil paint right out of the tube can be kind of slippery and not a lot of body to it. And then when you put in the wax, which you just mix on the palette, it it really changes the quality of the paint in a very interesting way. Yeah, I, I, I it it makes the paint to me much more responsive that mm. I feel like as somebody who doesn't have any formal training in oil painting, I found that a bit daunting to even think about. There's a lot of rules and a lot of different ways to work with it to make sure that it works. Mm-hmm. When you add cold wax, it, it just takes on this quality that almost like the way school children automatically play with clay. You don't have to teach a child how to play with clay. Yeah. I feel like for many artists, you don't have to, find a way it just automatically responds to what you do and you discover a way to work with it which is i think just beautiful it is. way to find painting yeah it's it's um you don't have to think about a lot of a lot of technical issues when you use it and you know i i was trained in oil painting uh and yeah there's all kinds of you know fat over lean and waiting a year to varnish it and all this kind of stuff that you know I think a lot of people are very excited by the freedom of cold wax and the fact that um, the wax and the paint, when they're mixed together, they they have a very different quality. They're different, I guess, chemically. They mm-hmm. dry differently. They dry quicker. And you don't have to varnish because the beeswax is incorporated throughout your whole painting. And so it's a very, um, it's a tough surface when it's dry. And there's a luminosity to it that's very beautiful. Um, you can layer lots of layers of paint that you only have to wait really until they're somewhat set up before you can go in again with another layer. So you can dig and scrape, you can go at it with solvents, and it's very exciting. Yeah, so it's very versatile, and I think it's a very intuitive way of working. I mean, you can work with it a million different ways, but it's it's a kind of medium that just it invites discovery. I mean, it yeah. just kind of asks you to play around with it and figure out how to make it do what you want. Right. And you you don't have to worry that you're going to do something that's going to mess it up somehow. Yeah, I think it's very hard to <laughs> mess it up. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I mean, if you don't like what you're doing, you just go back over it. Yep. <laughs> As we do many Frequently, times. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and of all those aspects of it, is there one that stands out to you in your own work that you like particularly about it? Um, I mean, I think the, the textural aspect of it and the fact that, uh, not only can you build up a certain kind of texture, quite emphatic texture beyond even what most people might, might envision impasto kind of work being, but that unlike a lot of other mediums, you can create texture by then building up and then digging back in. So mm. not only have you built up texture, you've now created texture by reducing certain areas of the painting. And that juxtaposition, I think, is just really, really beautiful. You're building and excavating in this kind of push-pull right. manner. It becomes, it can become, and I know in your work it does become almost sculptural mm-hmm. because yeah. it, Jerry's work is, is uh, deeply textured. And we'll put some photos of Jerry's work on the Messy Studio Facebook page, so uh, you can see what we're talking about here. But the, these paintings, when they're hanging on the wall, look like they could weigh a hundred pounds. Honestly, yeah. I mean, they just—they're very urban and gritty and very textured. Um, and what what you're saying about uh, building up as well as digging in—you know—I I really like that in my yes. own work too. And often talk when I'm teaching about putting things down and then 
it's like building up and taking away. Mm-hmm. Almost every layer of my own painting would have some scratching or solvent use to take away mm-hmm. some of the paint, and then other areas where it's built up sort of like little plateaus or things with the palette knife. So when that stuff sets up and you continue working, every layer of paint then affects what that surface that you have. So you have a, bun- a lot of little intricate edges and lines and you know it just becomes really complex yeah and i think it's also a very if you think about how surfaces in nature behave there's this constant push and pull of stuff Mm -hmm. gets on there stuff gets worn away yeah and it and so you end up with this very organic feel to your surface because it's kind of a natural way that all surfaces in the world evolve over time and it, it seems to me that there's there's sort of two approaches to using cold wax that are both effective in terms of what this medium can do and one of them is what you just described jerry we it's very good for creating an an organic type of surface it actually mimics the natural processes of nature in a way you know that erosion or that buildup and you know i know that in in our workshops we both talk quite a bit about form and content in other words finding the way to paint or the media to paint with that works with your aesthetic, your ideas, the meanings that you're trying to convey. So that particular alignment with a really organic surface works really well with cold wax. There's another thing it does beautifully, which is a more spontaneous type of painting because of the body that it gives to the paint. So um, there are people working wonderfully with cold wax that it's not necessarily about the texture or that intricate surface, but rather a fresh feeling to the yes. paint of just putting it down. It has that impasto effect, and you can have um, very uh, fresh surfaces with it. So yeah, very energetic. And some people yeah. combining them, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. Uh, but I think those are kind of two aspects of it that can be exploited in different ways. Yeah. So, um, it's been. I've been working with cold wax for a long time and uh, since about 2001 and it's it's helped my work evolve abstractly because at first I felt that I was before I started using it I felt like when I wanted texture intricate color relationships I had to create them I had to sort of render them you know mm-hmm. and invent them and to some extent fighting with the slipperiness of the oil paint and then once um, I started using it my ideas, what I wanted the work to say, evolved with the techniques that I was developing for for layering, for adding um, things in. You can put stuff in it, like powdered pigment and sand and all that. And gradually, over the years, finding that alignment of form and content that mm-hmm. just came out of the of working with it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very fascinating stuff, and I can see that in your work too. That you have that um, what you're conveying with these heavily textured surfaces i mean say a little bit about that in your own work yeah so it's interesting because artists often struggle with finding their voice or finding this direction that they want to take and and one of the things i found frustrating in the beginning with cold wax was that there were no books or videos or anything out there so i was just kind of playing with it but I also think that for me, that ignorance, that sheer ignorance really led me to a very natural way Mm -hmm. of expressing myself because I just played around with it and just let 
it do what I wanted it to do and let it or push back it against me, what it wanted to do. <laughs> and then that dialogue between the two, and then you just shift it to create something that feels like you mm-hmm. without any rules or direction or guidance. And so it evolved very, very organically for me. And I didn't even really know I was discovering that in myself. It just happened. Mm. And then, then you reach a point and you step back and you say, wow, this is really just me. Mm-hmm. And it just evolved yeah. naturally. Um, but then sometimes you look at other work and you say, well, I must not be doing this right. Or it doesn't look the same as other people mm-hmm. or I don't handle it the same way. And you can start to question yourself. I think that ends up being part of the difficulty people have in finding their own voice or their own direction is the the constant right. bombardment of what other people are doing, what other what they see, and and yeah. then trying to discern those two. Right. Yeah. It's um, and then all the possibilities of the medium itself. If we're just talking about cold wax medium, there's a lot of techniques. There's a oh lot of gosh. ways to do it. So it, it, you know, we were talking about uh, you and I about how when people take workshop. There are not only many people come in with the idea of learning a technique, obviously, they want to learn how you or I work with cold wax, and at the same time, struggling with uh, personal direction, personal voice, meaning, etc., in their abstract work, or maybe yeah. coming into abstraction um, fresh, not really having done it. And so it's a lot. It's a lot to take on. Oh, and, you know, it, we just always advise, like, patience, like, one thing at a time, you know. <laughs> right. It's, it's huge. And, it can yeah. be very overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. Kind of pick something and go with it. Yes. And, and don't try to tackle everything at once. So, right. um, And I think I think um, another interesting conversation that, that you and I have had since we've been here in Albuquerque is about the... Um, the creative process in that way that we're just kind of touching on and also the creative process of of our business and how that's grown and some of the commonalities actually between any creative project, whether it's, um, you know, working in your studio or whether it's developing a business or writing a book or these things that, you know, you and I have done is uh, it's it's interesting. It's a lot of the same kind of energy behind these different projects, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah, I, and I, I never would have thought that because if you'd asked me ten years ago, do do you envision yourself as being an entrepreneur or being interested in that? I would have said absolutely not. That seems dull and a bit stifling. Business just didn't seem interesting to me. And then when we found ourselves thrust into it with the book and now future and ongoing projects. I actually discovered how how creative you have to be mm-hmm. because you have these projects and you want them to take a certain direction and you have ideas and concepts that you want to move toward. And that's just like with your artwork. You have an idea yeah. or a concept and you want to move in a direction. And just like with your artwork, you have to figure out a way to get there and to get the thing that you want. And very often along the way, you find that your idea combined with how you get there leads you to something not exactly that you might have envisioned, but often something bigger and better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it ha- has happened for us in, oh, our, yeah. in our entrepreneurial pursuits, and it's certainly happened for me in my artistic pursuits. Yeah, there's definitely parallels. And, and, and just like you, I mean, I would never have imagined myself in my 60s in a business. I mean, never. Yeah. And and for, for years, I did not particularly enjoy art business. There's still aspects of art business and our business that, 
that are a bit tedious. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't always love it, but I think I think overall, when when you start to see the results and it's exciting and it spurs you on, yeah. and it I think I think I've enjoyed discovering that part of myself that can be an entrepreneur or a business person now. Yeah. And I never would have imagined it. Yeah, because I never imagined it as creating something. Mm -hmm. I just kind of looked at it as, oh, you're selling something. Mm -hmm. And, and I, it was a very simplistic view, a very naive view. Mm -hmm. And now looking back, you know, if you write a book, you're creating a book. If you develop this business, you're really creating a business. Mm -hmm. You are kind of coming from nothing and building something. And that really is what yeah. art is about, too. And, I mean, you have to believe in what you're doing and you know... I mean, I feel that with what we're doing with Squeegee Press, we're really offering people something that they want, they're yeah. excited about. And if I if I were putting my efforts, I wouldn't put my efforts into something that was just sort of something I thought I could sell or whatever. No, it has to be there's a passion behind it, yeah. just like uh, any creative project. I think when you believe in it and you're excited about it and you feel like people are responding to it, that it's... It's pretty inspiring. It is. And I think that there's an element to making or creating a business that is about helping people make art. Mm -hmm. You're creating to help people create. Yeah. And, and that that's kind of expansive um, because you get to see ultimately your creation lead to further creation by other people. Yeah. And the joy and pleasure that that brings them. Yeah. And I mean, I, I guess, you know, I would say... A huge uh, gratitude to everybody that's responded to our books and to our book, and and hopefully will with future projects and our workshops and all that. I mean, you people really say amazing things and yeah. and and of deep gratitude, and it's so touching and and it's hard to even comprehend what people are saying sometimes because you know you you and I are just. You know, we're doing our thing. It's what we do. Like, right. we write a book. We make a video. And then it goes out in the world and comes back to us in a form that is... Uh, it's it's almost hard to put yourself in the position of the person who's saying this stuff. And yet it is... It's just... It's motivating. It's touching. It's rewarding. It's, it's all humbling. that stuff. Humbling. It is humbling. It's like, really? <laughs> well, and, and it... Just listening to you describe that, it's really what people want to do with their art as well. I mean, people create art because it feeds something inside them. But I think the vast majority of people also create art because they want it to connect with other people. Yes. And in this business, we are in the business of connecting with other people through yeah. their art. We're on a different side of it. Yeah. But, but we're on both sides. We're on both sides of it. Yeah. 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 Um, and that is that yeah. is powerful. It is. Um, so I think, I think uh, you know, that in the beginning, before we knew that this would reach people, you know, that was a hard place to be, really. Yeah. It was, you have, when you start something, you, you're really in a position of not knowing anything much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How, what you're doing, where it's going, what might happen, and, uh, you know, I know you you worked pretty hard to convince me that we were going to write this book. Right? <laughs> it really was was Jerry um, uh, being very convincing and um, won over. 
my resistance to something that I just didn't, I couldn't imagine it. I thought, what? Mm -hmm. This is going to be so much work, and is it worth it? And I'd been putting it off, actually, for a long time. And in the back of my mind, or people would say, you should write a book. I'm like, oh, I don't think so. I've got too many other things to do. So I definitely resisted it in the beginning. You were on board with it, convinced me. But I think over time, there's a lot of ups and downs with it, too. And you, sometimes you're faced with something like editing a chapter that, you know, isn't, you know, it just becomes tedious yeah. and hard yeah. to, to follow through. And I, and I think, at least for me, and I would say for the vast majority of artists I've ever talked to, that despite loving whatever your art medium is, we have those same struggles with that. There are mm -hmm. parts of a painting that I find very tedious. The painting pushes back. I find it sometimes very frustrating. Mm -hmm. And just like with your business or with your painting or your book or whatever it is you're creating, you have to find ways to push through that. Mm -hmm. um, because if not, you're just never going to go anywhere. And I know a lot of people struggle with that. They want to take a new direction in their art or they want to start a new kind of medium or a new project. And they face all of these things, the unknown uh, learning something new, frustration, boredom, insecurity, mm -hmm. all those kinds of things. And it's the same things that I certainly faced in our entrepreneurial pursuits. Yeah, still and do. Still sometimes. do, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think that ever really goes away. No. You, know, you, you develop skills to deal with it, yeah. but you have to do that in your art well, too. What, what would you say advice-wise, you know, when you get to those points where it's it's pretty dull, really? I mean, what, what, uh, what I, my own dull point is the beginning of a painting when you're just putting paint down. You yeah. know, it's like, especially in a large painting, you're just covering this thing with paint. It's like, oh, okay. Um, but what, you know, what do you do to get past those, that resistance yeah. yourself? Well, I think one of the, the first things that I learned is that you have to recognize when that is what you're up against because we can deceive ourselves and we're really scared, bored, frustrated, something like that. And we don't really recognize that that's what it is. And we're procrastinating, we're avoiding, we're not finishing paintings, we're not starting paintings, we're painting the same paintings we've done 10 times. And what that really is, is you facing up against something that is uncomfortable. Fear, mm -hmm. insecurity, frustration, boredom, whatever. So recognizing that that is what you're facing, I think, is one of the primary things you have to do because then you can really tackle what that issue is and then i think kind of you know, feeling out figuring out what the source of it is yeah saying this is actually i'm actually resisting because i'm afraid it's not going to work out or something yeah and, and and that's very easy to misinterpret as oh i'm too busy to do this mm -hmm. or oh uh, you know, this painting isn't working or this idea isn't a good idea. And that's all really an avoidance of all the kind of negative feelings that, we, that can come about. And so after you recognize it, then you have to develop tools. I think there are a variety of tools that you can come up with, but certainly in our working together, having at least one other person that you can talk to about yes. that. Important. Who, who can help you <clears throat> just say it out loud because sometimes yeah. just saying it out loud 
breaks that cycle of avoidance and you just then just kind of move forward just because yeah. you've at least talked about it and acknowledged it. And this, it happened just yesterday. We were talking about scripting for the video and we've been working on this for a while and I was really at a point where I thought, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never made a video. <laughs> I mean, yeah, me either. <laughs> it's like uh, we're trying to give, um, well, basically kind of write a script and give instructions to the guy that's going to film it for us. And you know, I just I just basically quit working on it because yeah. I just didn't know what to do and I was frustrated with it. And just talking about it for like an hour, opened it up, okay, got it, ready to move on it, and I feel much better about it. And you can you can have these sort of log jams where you're just stuck. And yeah. you know, I don't I don't know that I'm afraid of writing it or anything else. It just kind of I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And this is a really good time to to talk to somebody, like you say, whether it's yeah. your business or your art. And we, another thing that we did uh, here in Albuquerque was we looked at each other's work, current mm-hmm. work on the on the computer, giving feedback, giving thoughts, and this is so helpful. And I think it it oddly goes along with all this business talk because it's all about that getting. Um, input and motivating another person and that that thing that as artists we can do for each other about our work we don't always do it do we (laughs) no i I don't and i think i would almost say the opposite not only do we not always do it but in talking to other artists we too infrequently do right it's rare it's It's rare. rare you know painting writing those are quite isolating things it's just you and whatever your thing is doing your thing yes and even when you meet people who are doing their thing, there can sometimes be this invisible boundary or barrier mm-hmm. that even two artists who know they're both artists, who know each other, they find that they're never really talking deeply about their art and their difficulties and frustrations. And, yeah. and wow. I'm not sure exactly why that is, but I think it's important to acknowledge it because I really do think that the vast majority of people on the inside, they really want that kind of interaction. Yeah. We want it in almost all of our life. That that connection. Yes. And, and with another artist, you do have the language. I mean, yes. I know sometimes it's hard to talk to people who are not artists. And, you know, you say, well, I, you know, I did this or that, but you can't really get to the heart of it as right. well as with another artist because you, on some level, even if your work is very different from one another, you identify similar struggles, similar decisions, similar points where you're up or down, yeah. and you have that connection. So so why is it that we as artists don't talk to each other more about these things? And it's certainly a pattern that I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm as guilty of it as other people, just yeah. leaving it at a certain level, like, oh, I, you know, I like this new direction in your work or something, or something but it doesn't evolve into a deep conversation very often and um when you have those deep conversations you realize how important they are and what what ideas you know someone else is looking at your work and seeing it through different eyes but eyes that you respect i mean i wouldn't do this with somebody I, i wouldn't talk to somebody in depth if they if i didn't feel uh, safe or respected in right. doing so, um, it would be much harder. Oh. But assuming you're talking to somebody 
that you feel a connection with personally and you feel that they basically appreciate what you're doing, um, it's it's interesting to go a little deeper yeah. and and really and be open to whatever they say. If they say, "Well, I think this direction is stronger," say, "Yeah, okay, why?" and listen to it mm-hmm. and don't be defensive. It's um, really helpful, and we do that when we're in art school. You know, it's part of the curriculum. Really, might do it in a workshop yeah. with the instructor or another student, but this is daily life. You right. know, just. Uh, your friends, your art friends, and, I, and you know, some of the stuff you were just talking about. What strikes me as the the core, the theme to that, is vulnerability. Mm. And if you really want to connect with somebody about whatever it is, that connection is going to come at a deep level when you're open and vulnerable. And I think it's an important lesson for us to learn, both in our interpersonal interactions, but in our art as well, in the same way that if, if what you create doesn't come from some kind of place of vulnerability, mm-hmm. it comes from a very safe place, I think that it's probably not going to connect with as many people and it's not going to connect with them on as deep a level. Mm-hmm. Because that really is how you form connection is by putting yourself out there and trusting that mm-hmm. the person will respect you that the space will be safe, all of those things that you just mentioned, they apply to our relationships with our friends, with our art, mm-hmm. and our art with the people who view yeah. our art. I think yeah. they, it all comes from the same core. Right, and and I think, I think as artists we have a, you know, we have a channel to the vulnerability. If if we're being real in our work and we're putting it out there, you know that that vulnerable self is already exposed and maybe that's why we we freak out a little if somebody pokes at it a little bit Mm -hmm. you know but um it's it's something to cultivate i think to be able to be vulnerable also to be able to offer to someone else a listening ear yeah and really listen to people and one of the things that that i enjoy in teaching my workshops I think my favorite part is the one-on-one talks that I have with people in almost all my workshops. I'll, each person I'll meet with for 20 to 30 minutes. I know you do this often as well, Jerry. And yeah. and I, I think in that time, what what you can give to the person you're working with, your undivided attention, your listening beyond even what they say, like okay, let's go a little deeper. What are you not saying or yeah. something? You know, right. I mean, yeah. you, you develop skills for bringing out what people have to tell you right. about their work. And it's so interesting, yeah. you know, and, and, and very often it leads to some new idea or something. And I enjoy it a lot. And I, I just think that's a, a special kind of gift. You know, you can give that to people. Yeah in other parts of your life or with your art friends. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a gift and it's also a privilege, you know, for anybody to do that, for anybody to make themselves vulnerable mm-hmm. to you is a privilege. It is. that you should honor. And I also think it's vulnerable to listen to somebody if you really listen um because they're putting their trust in you. Mm-hmm. And we want that in our art and we want that with our partners, with our friends. And and often people just don't 
have that in the way that they need because it is very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. And to see that and to experience that with people that you know and love already is so rich and rewarding. But also to walk into a group of 12, 10 to 12 people that you don't really know. Your students. Your students. And to get into that space with them over the course of just a few days, Mm -hmm. it's really powerful for not just them, definitely for me. I mean, there's often tears of of joy and Mm -hmm. fear, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it is just a really emotional, deep experience beyond just technical, you know, how do you do this thing, you know? (laughs) Well, right. And I I think, um, you know, when... Whenever I plan my own workshops or I plan with someone else with you or someone else that I'm teaching with, you know, you, you sort of say, well, we got to do this. We got to show them that. And there's this and that and these demos. And then there's this other level of, yeah, but what are we really doing? You know, right, yes, exactly. <laughs> what are we trying to, to get them to do and learn? And it's something way deeper than, oh, mm-hmm. how do they learn to do a solvent reduction? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they want to. Those are the tools. Know, those are the tools, but yeah. Yeah, that's the toolbox. And um, it's important. It's very important to become proficient with those things. But what's really interesting about the whole experience is is the other thing. It's, the, it's uh, what are you trying to say? Who are you? And all that stuff is, is fascinating. So, um and and I think it's all within a context that people recognize. Like, it's not group therapy. It's not, you know, I, I always shy away from being in any sort of therapy role because I don't feel qualified for that. But yeah. in the context of art, it's a language we can talk about, you yeah. know. And it's a, it's a meeting ground for people's uh, experiences and emotions and reflections and their ability to express that. Yeah. And so that's where you're... That's where I channel yes. what what I'm talking to them about, and uh, I have to say, pretty profound sometimes. So yeah. that's that's yeah. really good. So I think um, um, that's kind of things I wanted to cover. Did you have anything else uh, about teaching or the business aspect that we're involved in? No, I. I, I mean, it's nothing that people haven't said before, but you know. Being afraid and being vulnerable are two very different things. Mm. Fear takes you to places that generally aren't helpful or productive. Vulnerability will take you to places that are deep and rewarding. Mm. And I would encourage people to not be afraid to be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. whether that is making their art, talking with people about their art, or trying some entrepreneurial thing that may be brewing deep Mm -hmm. inside them somewhere. Mm-hmm. Because in the end, there's deep reward in all of those. Yeah, well said. So I think I'd like to end with just mentioning a couple of collaborative things that Jerry and I have coming up in workshops. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, we're, we've been talking about this, and it's pretty exciting. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and, and do all that, Jerry? <laughs> uh, so we have two uh, international workshops coming up. Uh, we have an advanced six-day workshop in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico, and that is in November of this, this, this year, November, this yeah. November. Uh, it's an advanced workshop where you either have to have studied for us with us before, or you have to present six to eight works. And the reason we do that is because we want to cover deeper things than just techniques in those. 
Uh, and I think that's very, very exciting to do that in a beautiful place like that. Mm -hmm. And then we have an even bigger, and <laughs> uh, I think something that neither of us have ever done, no. a two-week workshop in Skopelos, Greece, which is a small, uh, relatively uninhabited island of only about 3,000 people in uh, northeastern Greece. It's two weeks to explore the physicality of Greece and how do you let the effect of place come out in your work. And I think the beauty of that two-week workshop is that in two weeks, you can develop some real paintings. That's enough time to really make some work. Mm -hmm. um, and also to develop some kind of relationship with the culture or the yes. scenery around you. And, yeah. and it, it's it's harder to do that when you don't have as much time. It, it can happen. I mean, you have to be very focused on it. Yeah. Um, but this is a really, it's exciting to have that much time in one place. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, because often workshops, there's not, there's a lot of time spent on technique and just practicing something new. And two weeks, you have a lot of time just to paint mm -hmm. and interact with people about your painting. And mm -hmm. that that's really an opportunity. It's almost like an artist residency in that yes. way, because we do plan a, a fair amount of independent work time. I and mean, we'll be around, but particularly the second week after we've gone through techniques and things that, you know, then you're sort of, um, with, with our guidance, uh, developing some ideas deeper. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, so another project that we're very excited about, really, is that over time and in our own work with cold wax, you, you get a feeling that some of your tools are great, but they could be better, right? Like, yes. <laughs> so most of us work with a type of squeegee that is one size. Yes. And it's a nice squeegee. Yeah. But personally, I get interested in having a smaller one or a larger one sometimes for certain things. And yes. So... One of our project projects is uh, we have developed a line of squeegees that are different sizes. So you want to say something about that, Jerry? Yeah. So, you know, I think probably a lot of people who've worked with cold wax for a while have tried the the breadth of squeegees out there. Shower squeegees, car squeegees, right. you know, credit cards, <laughs> whatever you get your hands on. And and let me just, as an aside, in in this method of that we both use with the cold wax, you're often pushing or pulling the paint in a way that you want it's sort of to glide over the surface or this it's a different approach than using a brush i mean way different yeah, yeah. so it so because of the, the thickness of the cold wax it's really suited to this kind of tool that you're yeah. manipulating in this way so go ahead and yeah. yeah what are we doing with this so there's a brand of squeegee that is just kind of hits the sweet spot on everything mm -hmm. you need the edge is just soft enough and the body is just rigid enough it's really a kitchen tool i mean it's designed to be used to scrape bowls and we reached out to the manufacturer and asked if they would create custom sizes for us. And they very graciously agreed. So we now have five custom sizes from what we call the details, which is very small for small and intricate paintings, to our extra large, which would be very helpful for somebody like me who paints on four by five panels, whereas a six inch squeegee can be quite tedious to mm -hmm. get done what I need to mm -hmm. do. Uh, so we have all of those coming out. Um, they'll be assigned specific colors for the sizes so that you can just pick the color that works for you and you that's the size you know you're going to want. And, those and we are, also, we're going to put them in sets too. Yeah. So if you want the whole set, uh, five different sizes. Five different sizes. Which is, I'm excited to have one of those. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had a bit of a preview, <laughs> but we don't. And then the other product that really Jerry has put a lot of research into is a type of brayer that is and I've used this too. We have samples of these and it is a it's the 
it's really a good level of softness. Like you don't really want a really hard brayer with this type of technique because it, it's not as sensitive to, you know, thin veils of color or whatever. And there's a lot of different brayers on the market. And this is not something that's out there. This is something we're, we're going to have exclusively. And it has just a beautiful degree of softness, but it's also tough enough that it doesn't ding and get dense in it and whatnot, that some of the really soft ones do. Yeah. And um, so that, that too, we're looking at different sizes for that one. Yeah, I think we'll have four different sizes. Four sizes from two inch to eight inch. Yeah. So none of this stuff we actually have in our hands right now. Sorry. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. And then also the video, which, yeah. you know, is um, full length, basically the equivalent of a workshop with us with some extras. And, you know, it's it's going to be quite in depth. So yeah. that we're trying to film in the next few months. So yeah. stay be, tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Yes. So, okay. That's, um, that's Squeegee Press, folks. We've got a lot going on. <laughs> And, uh, well, thank you, Jerry, for sitting down and talking about all this stuff. Yeah, thank you. And uh, thank you for doing all this with me. All right. It's been a good ride. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Make sure to check out www.coldwaxbook.com and www.rebeccacroll.com and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. On today's Messy Bulletin Board, James Edward Sherbarth still has space available in one of his Process Purpose Passion workshops. Journey to Paris this spring Enjoy the sights and culture, and expand your knowledge and skill using oil paint and cold wax medium. Jim will take you beyond the basics and help you to identify your purpose and find inspiration in your passions as you explore Paris and the world of abstraction. All levels of experience welcome. The session runs from April 22nd to the 29th. For more details, visit www.jamesedwardsherber.com. If you would like your own bulletin posted, please contact us through the Messy Studio Facebook page. Thanks for listening. We will be back again next week with more art and entertainment with a bit of sound advice. In the meantime, embrace your own creative space, messy or otherwise. Thank you. Thank you.